0: Hello and welcome to The Connected Generation. My name is Nikia Anani and I'm your host. On The Connected Generation, we explore all things legacy wealth and legacy businesses, how to build businesses and wealth that would have sustained impact not only over time but also over space having positive impact on communities, societies, and we invite guests from all over the world to have these conversations in genuine curiosity, authenticity, and vulnerability. This week, my people, I was joined by Afam Onyema, who I don't even know what to say. I was really blown away. Um, I remember hearing his story for the first time, so Afham was born in Chicago. he graduated from Harvard University and went to Stanford law School and as you can tell, very intelligent man and whilst at law school he um, he co-founded a family foundation called Jko Foundation and had many offers to join Prominent corporate law firms, but declined those to pursue leading Gene Co. Foundation as a full-time CEO. And Gene Co. is focused on saving and transforming lives in Nigeria. They focus on leading surgical missions and also providing scholarship and education and psychological support to young female victims of terrorism and gender inequality in Nigeria. I love this conversation because um, it was just, Afam really peeled back the onions and shared the journey in leading to Jinku and the journey, the humble beginnings of Jinko and how he persisted through um, many rejections, how he persisted through difficult circumstances to Build out, Ginkgo, to where it's at now, where it's had incredible coverage by international press, has had amazing supporters, including Oprah Winfrey, um, Angelina Jolie, and so many other celebrities, and making so much positive impact in so many people's lives. And yeah, I really enjoyed the conversation because. Afim came on and just shared, shared so vulnerably about his different life lessons and shared so many tips and hints. So I really enjoyed it and I encourage you to tune in and please share this with a friend that you think would be interested in hearing this content. Thank you so much and enjoy. Hi Afam. welcome to The Connected Generation. It's awesome to have you.
1: Thanks so much, Nikkei. It's an honor to be with you.
0: Yes. Should be good fun. Um, So you are um, founder of Jinko Foundation, which is a family foundation. Can you tell us more about how you got to where you are today?
1: Sure. So the Jinko story really begins with my parents and my father in particular. My my parents are both Nigerian and my dad went to a British boarding school in Jos, in Nigeria. And oh. when he was there, he really connected with a British missionary doctor, one of the few female doctors in the country, maybe even on the continent in the 60s or the 40s and 50s. Oh. And she saw something in him and really brought him along as she was helping Serve that community, his school, surrounding area. And so he learned a lot about medicine through that experience and really learned about self sacrificial medicine. This doctor and her husband, who was the English teacher at his school, could have been living very comfortable in the UK, but came out to Nigeria to serve. And so he made this promise to that doctor and to my granddad, his dad, that he's going to do his training and if his training takes him out to the U S or outside the country, he'll do that as well. But he'll never forget his, his country, his homeland and he will come back and do something to help Hmm. save and transform lives there. How
0: old was he when he made that promise?
1: Gosh, he was in, in boarding school, secondary school. So had to have been 14, 15, 16, you know, very, very young to make such a big bold promise. Yeah, exactly. But he was very, you know, he, he, was very committed to it and um, met my mom who was training to be a nurse when he was training to be a doctor in Nigeria and they got married and then came out to Chicago in the mid 70s and their plan was we'll get there we'll learn modern medicine raise some money make some connections and then head back to Nigeria to fulfill this dream Um, but I'm the second of four kids and as we came along our parents realized we had amazing opportunities in the states to do whatever we, our, our talents and our passion led us to. And would it be fair, my parents thought, to pull the four of us away from those opportunities back to Nigeria, which was mm. in, in, becoming increasingly more violent and chaotic and corrupt. Mm. So they decided, no, that wouldn't be fair at all. And so we stayed in the States and um, to pursue our own dreams and our own education, and my brother, who's a year about, a year older than me, went to Princeton, then got a law degree at Wisconsin, and is now a lawyer. And my sister, Abella, who's two years younger than me, went to Georgetown and then got a master's in social work from the University of Chicago and is working for a nonprofit. And my sister, Unche got a degree from Boston College and is working in the social impact space. And I graduated from uh, from Harvard. And when I was at Harvard, I just heard a lot of people, a lot of my classmates talk about ways to become financially successful or politically powerful or culturally relevant. And those are all really important things, and I have classmates who are doing well in all those areas. But I thought more and more during my time there about what I could do outside of those things. What can I do to serve? And um, especially as around the time in the, the early 2000s, the late 90s, the AIDS epidemic was raging in Africa and in Nigeria. And I just felt a sense of what can I do to get back to that community and to my family who were there and suffering. So mm-hmm. I thought more and more about my dad and asked him more and more about this dream and this promise, never intending to work on a full-time, just to hear about it and learn more about it. After working for a few years in corporate PR, I went to Stanford for law school and got really involved in the work. And I'll never forget I didn't go because I was still in school, but I helped organize and fundraise for a medical mission. Oh. And the team from Chicago did hip and knee replacements in Nigeria. And they came back and the pictures and the stories they told about patients who lives, whose lives were changed forever. And the fact that if not for this trip, they still would have been in agony every single oh. moment of their lives. And I thought, gosh, imagine having that be your life. That being your life's goal is every day you get up and get to do things like that to organize missions <clears throat> to bring people together to serve in that way and i had all these I had these fancy corporate law offers um for law firms in los angeles and i turned them all down and oh. decided after taking the bar that i was gonna start doing this work full-time and the fall of '07 started working full-time on, on jinko
0: wow I found, wow so much to unpack. You said <laughs> so much to unpack. You said your your dad had this made this promise and had this dream and he moved to the States with your mom and had all four of you. And you know, things back home were not exactly rosy. And there was it's like this dilemma. Um the immigrant's dilemma to go back and make an impact back home, but also to look to the next generation and give them the right platform and the tools and resources so that they can soar. Can you speak more about what you, how that was perceived by you?
1: Sure. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Cause you know, growing up in the States, I, we always expected to stay in the States. We never thought about going back and though our parents talked about it, it. It was never, it was never a real thing. As I got older, I realized the the push and pull and the, the stress my parents must have felt as especially my father who made this dream and had the majority of their family back in Nigeria and you know we were living comfortably well in comparison here in the states and could go to great schools and have great opportunities and they you know they they and my cousins didn't have the same opportunities and they mm. were just as if not more brilliant Spots. than me mm-hmm. uh, and so it was a great and and it was you're right it was a dilemma that the diaspora that you know, like that generation felt. I know my, my parents felt it. Their friends were both Nigerian, but also Cameroonian and, and Ugandan were all in that idea of we're doing so well. Our kids have so many opportunities here. Do we pull them back? And I know very few of that generation that I know of actually moved back for good to Nigeria because they mm. felt it wouldn't be fair to our kids and 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 then you see like my generation and my siblings and our generation like how well accomplished, and how how much that sacrifice benefited us personally and mm. our professional lives, and being able to build resources and establish uh, lives here that are successful. And I'm just so indebted to my my parents, of course, but that generation for making that sacrifice.
0: For sure, and. Um... Gosh, that sacrifices a lot. Like you don't, as a child, you don't really appreciate it. Like the sacrifices your parents are making. Like you kind of alluded to, their siblings are back home. Everything they know is back home. Um, Also, identity-wise, sometimes professionally, they have to make sacrifices. And yeah, no, I'm, I'm like you. I'm super grateful for all that my parents did, just so that they could set us up for success.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, you mentioned that when you were in in college, like a lot of like your peers were really oriented towards pursuit of like financial success or political power, cultural relevance, but that really wasn't resonating with you. Can you speak more about that?
1: Sure. I mean, when I was younger, yeah, temptation to be rich and or famous uh, certainly was there. And uh, yeah, and I certainly don't begrudge anyone who pursues that There certainly... Mm -hmm. Great good to be done with with political power and those who are in government, and you can have so much cultural sway, especially living here in Los Angeles and seeing the impact that being a literal influencer has, or being someone who uh, millions of people follow. Um, And of course, you know, I in my in my work, I rely on people who are financially successful, so that's also very Mm -hmm. important. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just thought, you know, I. if if I want to make an impact in this world and look at all those different ways of doing it, this way of doing it resonated the most with me to, to be able to create something, to guide it, to develop it, to be directly involved. I could have been financially successful, started a foundation and, and written checks and given support to other charities. And that's a wonderful way of supporting. I could have gotten involved with campaigns or passed laws. Um, I could have gotten, you know, if not directly in, you know, in, a, in a, a spotlight, kind of work behind the scenes as as an agent or a manager or someone who's, who gives advice and counsel. But this just became a natural way of doing it. I just really I love being able to do it with my family um, and build it with my family and build it with my close friends and people who believe in me and have believed in me for decades now. And to be able to create our own legacy this way has just been a special joy and Mm. And as challenging as it's been, it's just been a a really incredibly fulfilling and interesting way to serve and empower others.
0: Incredible. So inspirational. And you were like speaking about all yourself and your siblings and like what you all studied, but I noticed a kind of trend and theme, like aside from your brother, I think your other siblings are like in the social kind of space. And where do you think that came from? Was it from your dad's kind of vision or was it just like you all have this shared passion and
1: yeah no it's interesting yeah it's a great point and i think you know typical nigerian parents they wanted to have one doctor in the family at least yes. <laughs> and my brother flirted with it for a little bit but pretty pulled out pretty early my sisters are very clear that they were not going to be doctors and i was actually pre-med for my entire time in 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 college wow. or almost my entire time i i took the mcat was ready to apply to, to, to medical schools I just didn't have the passion for it. I knew from the very beginning that I did have a passion for it. And so for mm. me, it was, okay, I, I don't want to directly get involved with helping and healing, but can I empower those who do want to do it? And mm. not only empower those in the U.S. to come help, but really more importantly, build up local capacity so that those who have the passion for it in Nigeria don't have to go to the U.S. or Europe or elsewhere to be able to, to, to serve medically and through that way. So- We've always been a social impact family. Our parents have always been very charitable. They've always, you know, we mm-hmm. watch them give to various campaigns, and we've from a young age would raise money for causes. And so, it's not terribly surprising that my family has such a, a bet towards that. Um, and certainly with Jinko, even my brother, who's you know on the corporate law side, can get involved in it, and my, my parents, and and of course my siblings, and, and and many many others. So it's a great vehicle for those who. Uh, my friends who are very dedicated to their professional passions and interests can very much use us as a vehicle to serve and say, well, I can't spend my day job doing this, but I trust you and I can give through you. And it's just Mm -hmm. a great blessing to be able to have so many people who trust us as their way, their vehicle of giving back and serving in the world.
0: That's incredible. Um, You you turned down multiple offers from law firms to start this i can't imagine that it was an easy journey <laughs> um, especially in the early days talk us through the challenges you faced
1: sure yes well you know it sounds romantic and oh it yeah I law offers. <laughs> I and but the, but the the truth is those those few those first few years i, I graduated in may of 2007 took the bar exams i really wanted to complete that journey and become an actual lawyer after all the work and time I put into it. But then I moved from the Bay Area down to to LA, and then you wake up one morning, and say, okay, well, start saving the world. Start start doing this thing for real. Mm. And really those first few years were the most challenging and lonely, and to be honest, Mm. miserable of my life um, in a lot of ways. Because you have this grand ambition, but it just becomes, survival. How do you, you know, literally, how do I survive? How do I feed myself and pay my rent? And, mm-hmm. and then how do you build this organization? How do you, what's your, you have a mission, but then how do you accomplish that mission? What are your tactics and your, your day-to-day goals, your week to week, your month to month. And then of course, putting yourself there and asking for money, you're just dealing with rejection after rejection. You know, it's, it's not like people see the, the kind of big names that support us and see the videos and pictures and think that it's all, that glamorous and really it's just it's a grind it's just asking for support and you're asking for support with nothing to show for it you're saying mm. trust me give me this money and trust me i have i've done nothing to deserve it literally uh, we don't have any programs or projects but trust me that i i will do this and i just yeah. have so much gratitude and love for those early donors who who just were investing in me really just I there's nothing else I can give them, but just this idea and my commitment to it and the fact that I given up so much to, to, to commit to doing it, but it was, it was lonely. It's a lonely road. LA can mm. be a great city in a lot of ways, but it's very isolating in a lot of ways. And mm. my friends were all doing their own thing, all building their professional careers, whether it be legal or business or entertainment. And I hadn't learned how to fundraise. So I was just reading books and doing webinars and having conversations and just figuring out cause law school does not teach you and teach you how to spend money, but not necessarily how to raise money. And so I had to learn how to do this job and, and how do you build a, how do you build infrastructure? How do you lead? I had, oh. no, i had never led anything besides my high school football team. So how do I lead? Oh. How do I put together a coalition? How do I build support? How do I inspire? So those were it was a lot of learning on the job and it was you know, it was brutal in a lot of ways. But I look back on it and I'm just so grateful for those times because I'm so I can look back and and see coming through that with just so much gratitude and appreciation, not only for those who supported me, but for the lessons I learned and for the mistakes I made and being able to 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 carry through and to this very moment still learning and mm. still failing and still learning from those failures and still trying to to grow every single day.
0: Wow, wow. Um, how long would you, did it take before you would say things took off, so to speak? Like, how long was this period sure. for?
1: Well, I would say around 2013. So, you know, six years into it, really. Because wow. um, we were, our initial goal was to build a world class hospital in Nigeria. And so mm-hmm. we spent so much time trying to raise millions of dollars. And when you try to go from zero dollars to millions of dollars for a big project like this in Nigeria, it's very challenging because we didn't have a track record for building or running a hospital. And so and you're talking to donors who don't really give to big infrastructure projects. And so that became a very challenging thing for us. And so I told my 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 family, our board, my dad in particular, we can't just keep I can't just keep raising money to survive enough to come back next year and raise money to survive enough to raise money. Like we have to start doing things on the ground. And that's when we started, you know, picking up and doing more medical missions and bringing doctors over to do hip and knee replacements uh, to a greater frequency. And then eventually doing minimally invasive surgeries, hernias, gallbladders, appendix removals. And that's been a great boon and able to not only bring doctors over for those surgeries, but to train local surgeons on those procedures. And then we got connected with the Clinton Global Initiative to bring screening, anemia screening technology and treatment to Nigeria. Hmm. And that happened around 2013. And so uh, we screen and treat women who are severely anemic and in their, in their second or third trimester of pregnancy and really help them get through pregnancy so they can deliver healthy babies safely. And we started a safe delivery program, realizing that so many babies hmm and mothers die in childbirth because of infections, because the the midwife or the doctor didn't have clean gloves. and didn't have a scalpel. And so we started collecting those into kits. And then for every delivery in the rural areas we work with and in Nigeria, they will have the clean gloves and the scalpel and the baby blankets. And so we started building out programs and showing results um, day to day week to week year to year and donors really responded to that and we attract other donors and then we started a whole education program which i can get into later if you wish and and then started to build it but in the end it's just for me it was asking for meetings i would send out a thousand letters to people and i focused Hmm. on harvard alums stanford alums and saying hey i'm this young alum doing this crazy thing will you give me half an hour And of a thousand letters, maybe I get 30 responses. But those 30 responses, those are donors who to this day, 15 years later are still giving, who I see as friends, who I'll hang out with socially, who I'll watch their kids grow up, their kids get involved, what we're doing. So you build a family and then that network extends. And so if you look at some of our high profile, our more famous donors and supporters, if you peel back the layers, it was, oh, I had coffee with someone in in 2009 and that led to this, led to that, led to this. And now we're on the red carpet of the Oscars or what have you. So it really is just building that network and and then maintaining those connections and networks Mm. through the years.
0: Mm, Incredible. And what stops you from walking away when it Mm. was six years?
1: I think the challenge of it and realizing that, you know, we're a family of commitment. Like we, you know, we have our, we have our, our frailties and our, our issues and we're all, we're all human. But one thing, my family makes a commitment. If anyone in my family makes a commitment, we see it through. And so my, my father made this commitment to this doctor and his family, you know, 60, 70 years ago. And I, through very careful thought and prayer and, and deliberation, decided to make this commitment full time to wow. this job. And even though I literally could have, you know, I, I um, the, um, the law firm that would have hired me, one of the law firms that would have hired me gave me space in their office. And so I work out of an office of a law firm. I could have literally walked over to the hiring partner and said, I give up. I can't do this. Like, can you hire me? And I would have
0: got Yeah, yeah. You have you had so, <laughs> so so enjoyable. Available.
1: Absolutely, yes. And for me, it was getting through that challenge and realizing that, It wasn't impossible. It just, it was incredibly difficult and challenging, but it was also immensely inspiring and rewarding. And for me, it was just one more meeting. You know, breaking it down, not thinking about a massive $20 million hospital. I was thinking about, let me get a meeting with this lawyer at this law firm. Let me get a meeting with this Hollywood agent. Let me get a meeting with this person at Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs. Let me get a, a meeting with this doctor. And let me learn, let me spend today learning about malaria. I mean, I about tell you, learning about, you know, 501c3 structures and governance. And so I would just kind of break down the days and the weeks and just try to make it, try to make the job smaller mm. and realize, okay, like, can we just do it? Let's just do a medical mission so we can plan out a mission and do it this year, as opposed to worrying about the next year and the next year. And that just kept me sane. It kept me inspired. And yeah, I never once, I never once thought about quitting. Uh, honestly, I just, uh, to me, it was, how do we, how do we adjust and to use the the word du jour, how do we pivot, but Mm. never how do I give up or, you know, how do I, you know, today a better, more high profile job.
0: Wow, I found like your family stay committed when you say you're going to do something, you're going to do it. Your father made a promise and you've got this transgenerational commitment. Like I'm like... This is wild. like this is amazing to me. I love what you said about breaking it down into something simple. And like when you said when you wrote like a thousand letters, only 30 people would respond. And a coach of mine like was helping me with respect to like you know the rejections that we were talking about a little bit and encouraged me to gamify rejections. Mm-hmm. So target um, for every hundred people you reach out to um expect for, for instance 99 of them will reject you and mm. just be happy when you get a rejection because you're closer to the one
1: mm.
0: so you keep counting you're looking out for 99 because you know that that one is around the corner so yes um i love what you said about not thinking about this grandiose vision but really practicalizing it down to just one more meeting you're getting inching closer and closer to
1: progress yeah, absolutely, I think that's that's just the way to do it. Because, and I, now that we've had some success, we're still very small, but we've had some success. I do get several people who reach out to me and say, "How do I do something similar for my village, my country, for this cause? Or be it the U.S. or Africa?" And it's this grand, grand vision. I tell them, "You've just got to start small. Like you've got. To, I know you want to make sure everyone in your country has eyeglasses, for instance, but you really should focus on." Okay, well, what's my infrastructure like? What's my mm. board going to be like? How, what's my fundraising, you know, base going to be? And and I've, I've you know counseled some people, and I come back a year later, six months later, I'm like, oh, this is and like, yeah, it's just too hard. It's just too hard. I couldn't yeah, do it. You know, raising money is too hard. Or we did one grand fundraising um, about it, um, and it just didn't. Yeah, so it's one of those things where I I just tell people you've got to. You you will underestimate how challenging it is, and right? mm. you underestimate the rejections that you have. Um, but you, you 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 like you said, I, I've heard this in sales and whatnot. You know, like the successful salesperson is goes out that seventh time and they'll get six rejections and seventh time, and whether it's you know ninety nine no's that one yes or whatever the ratio is, success really is a tenacity. And mm. just one quick story about that. Um, I was introduced to a very wealthy investor, like Forbes 400 investor. And um, one of our contacts, like, I'll get you, I'll get you like 10 minutes with him. And so I got a meeting with him and it was, you know, very cordial, kind of very, just getting to know you. It did last 10, 15 minutes that, okay, well, you know, like get to know you, let's, let's keep the conversation going. And I didn't make the pitch for money, but I would just, I would find ways to connect with him. I'd find out he's speaking at a conference and I would like get to that conference and see him and I would send him information. I would really follow up with him. And then a year later we had a meeting and he's like, you know what? I, it's your tenacity that got me interested in this. I thought, well, you know, you're, You got this, you know, these fancy degrees and you come in here and, and who knows, like a year from now, whether you stick with this, but he said, you chased me harder than I chased my, my wife when I was pursuing, (laughs) you know, like it's just turning up at these conferences and sending me these inference information and just, you know, being polite, but being persistent. And that was, gosh, seven, eight years ago. And I'm going to see him this week. You know, wow. and we're going to talk, and, and 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 that's part of it. And I can tell other stories about those those things. People people admire tenacity, and I think especially in my case, where people know that I could be doing anything else, yeah, and I'm doing this, and I'm sticking with it. And they also know that I wasn't hired by Jinko. I wasn't poached from UNICEF to work for Jinko, and then if. Doctors Without Borders has a better one, better 401k package for me. You I'm like, yeah. I am, I'm rooted in this. I'm rooted yeah. in a family. And they love that. The fact that you're not going anywhere. You're not, this is a family story, and it resonates with them on a deeper level.
0: It's really, really inspirational. You mentioned that you had a lot of learning to do when you started this. Um, you had to learn how to be a leader, for instance. You had to learn, you know so many things how did you learn like what was your walk me through your process of learning
1: i think for me i've always been a natural learner i'm always the kind of guy that would go to the library as a kid i go to the library and beg my mom to stay all day and just read i would when i got you know when i was at home i would take the encyclopedia and just open up the m and just read everything I can. I was, I was such a, a, a nerd in that way. I just had this hunger to know. And, and then for me, and this, one of the things that kept me, you mentioned like what kept me from quitting, it was that I had so much to learn. You know, if I knew everything, I would get bored and then I potentially could quit or want to move on. But the fact that I had so much to learn about fundraising, so much to learn about running an organization, I had so much to learn about the challenges in Nigeria. You know, I, I didn't grow up there. We didn't visit a whole lot as kids. And so I had to learn about my country. I had to learn about the issues, the government governance, the history. Um, and so for me, every day was a learning experience. And not only learning myself and reading and doing webinars, but having conversations with people. Mm-hmm. You know, I had so many friends who were so patient with me in terms of how do you do your accounting if you have a not fellow nonprofit? How do you, you know, how do you get audited? You know, what are the rules for that? And what should I do and not do? And you know, and then just learning through conversations with with donors. You know, I, I meet with them and say, you know, how was that? Like, just kind of step outside yourself for a minute and tell me, like, how was that in terms of, is that something that appeals to you? Is the letter that I wrote, is the email that I sent? And so it just, every day is learning, and I still do. I still, I learn so much. every time I we have a board meeting or I have a meeting with someone, I'll kind of try to get feedback. I'll get feedback on our events. I'll get feedback on the posts and things that I do, the programs that we have, um, it's just being, having that humility to be willing to learn and to be willing to say, okay, I can do it better and I need to do it better is incredibly challenging, but I think the key to any, the root of any success really uh, is having sure. the humility and, and wanting humility to learn and, and needing to to want to be better and knowing that I have so much to, to learn. I, I feel like I'm just in the first innings of, of this of this game here and really looking forward to continuing to learn and grow in it.
0: Powerful. Powerful. I wanna speak more about Tinker and you know your missions and your causes. But you mentioned earlier that you know you, you made a comment that you wanted to start saving the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And You want to start saving the world you want to go back to your country of origin and start saving your country your country has so many issues like where do you start from like as a um because i'm often faced with next gens or family enterprises really oriented towards social change but just feeling the sense of where does one even start? like the world is in so much disarray how what was your process in choosing your causes
1: well, a lot of it was guided by my father and his, his dream. I have to say that I, I borrowed my father's dream and then pretty much stole it. Cause <laughs> now, now it's mine. Made I'm it right. it. <laughs> Absolutely. And I made it my own really in a lot of ways. So my father had this dream to build a hospital and so we automatically, and the fact that he was a, he is a, an OBGYN and his life okay. has been all about women's health and safe delivery and babies and, so women and children and their health and well being has been so important to us our entire lives. So we were always going to start there and orient there. And so um, I'd tell people that part of it is is that that root that we had rooted in his 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 belief and what he wanted to do. But then a lot of a lot of this life and a lot of the work that we do is just so serendipitous. So the, the medical oh. mission started simply because there was an orthopedic team in Chicago a. Uh, university Rush University Hospital. They wanted to do a medical mission somewhere, and my my then woman who was married to my uncle at the time said, "Well, you're doing it in Nigeria. My my husband's Nigerian. You guys aren't going to go to any other country but Nigeria." And I said, "Fine, we'll go anywhere." And so that was the 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 medical mission in 2005 that I helped fundraise and organize, and then that team their residents and younger surgeons wanted to do one. And so 2011, their residents did one. And then some of those doctors came back, but then their residents and younger doctors, like it's one of those things where the, the chain grew and grew. And then we got to know the the one of the largest maker of artificial hips and knees. And, and those supplies happened to be a, a fellow Harvard alum and I literally went, went up to him at a conference and explained what we're doing and who we are. And he's like, "I love this. I want my I want my firm to be fully behind it." And they've sponsored every medical mission since 2011, and that was just because I made a point of, of beginning that relationship and telling him how important this work is. And so that was serendipitous. Huh. The Clean Global Initiative. We were invited because a friend of mine, his medical device company, made a commitment to bring their their there pulse like symmetry technology to Africa and they needed implementing partners and we became their partner. And so the fact that I just happened to know that executive really made that happen. And, and then on the educational side, we give scholarships to girls who have been directly affected by Boko Haram terrorism and gender inequality. And I, and I got, we got involved in that because I got to know the actor David Ayelowo who played mm. Martin Luther King and Selma, one of the top, obviously, Nigeria, Nigerian, British Nigerian actors on the planet. And I got to know him, and he said, you know, all these, the Bring Back Our Girls campaign is so hot right now, but it will fade away, people will move on to the next thing, but I don't want to move on. How can we help these girls in a way mm. that doesn't involve us getting involved militarily or anything like that? I said, well, there's all the there are all these girls who have been abandoned or orphaned, and wouldn't it be a beautiful rebuke to Boko Haram if we put them right back into school and and train them mm. and empowered them? And I and he said that would be great. Let's do it. And I said, well, if we're gonna do it, I really need you to be a partner. This can't be a celebrity thing. Show up on a red carpet once a year. And he said, no, I'm I am I'm in. When I say I'm in, I think that Nigerians we're just we're committed people. Like if we commit to something. We'll get it done. Like there, we don't we don't accept quitting, and yeah. we don't accept. Well, it's just too hard, or I'm lazy. And so, to David's credit, he's been a strong partner for us since the very first day. And 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 many of the great contacts we've made, be it Oprah or Daniel Craig or Charlize Theron, uh, people who supported us have come through his his introductions. And and then oh. same thing with Chiwetel Ejiofor. Again, another amazing actor, a Nigerian. I got to know him and he has a, a school, his mom has a school in Southeast Nigeria. And we formed a partnership where we support that school. A lot of our scholarship girls go to that school. We build them computer labs, sports fields, administrative offices, and make that school better for everybody. And then Chuitel helps us, you know, navigate some of the opportunities we've had here in, in Hollywood. So It's been a great partnership and it just really grows. And for us, it's a matter of when do you stop growing organically and just focus on going deeper instead of spreading wide. And so we've gotten to that point where we have all of our programs. We're not going to add anything new. I want to do more of what we're doing, more medical missions, more scholarships, more clinics for women to deliver safely. And so we're just digging down deep and we're in that mode of how do we raise resources so we can do more of what we're already doing.
0: That's incredible! Um, incredible. I would argue about this serendipity, something. Sure, you said success is tenacity. Yes. I would argue that it was because you were consistent that these mm. opportunities came up.
1: Yes, I think you know. I, I, I'm not one to pat myself on the back or, or, or think too highly of myself, but I do. I oh. do. I can say that if there is one trait that I, I really have, really try to develop and, and 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 show to the world is consistency. Yeah. People, my friends know it, my family knows it, Jinko supporters know it, that I'm gonna show up every single day for this foundation. I'm gonna show up every single day for my friends, for my family. And there's comfort in that for oh. our supporters. Again, they oh. know that I'm not going anywhere. They know that I'm not gonna be tempted by another offer. And they really admire the fact that, I've had so many friends who say, you know, I didn't think this, to be honest. I didn't believe in this thing when you first told me about it. You know, ten years ago, twelve years ago, I thought this is great. You'll try it. You'll get a little bit accomplished. Then you'll go off to work for you know run night or whatever. You know, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The fact that you're still doing this and it's grown and you're doing more of it and you're just as passionate about it now as you were when we're talking about it in law school um, or after um, is is really you know they, they're really. That, that that to them is the reason why they support it, and support me in it. And so I think we all have to recognize our positive qualities and where we have yeah. to grow. And I think one of the things for me is I won't be the best in the room or the best in an organization But I'll be the most consistent and I'll be the most mm-hmm. dedicated and I'll, I'll keep working at it long after everyone's kind of shrugged their shoulders and said, what's next? Especially in this world where people's attention spans and passion for things are just like a flicker of a flame. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so fleeting, so powerful so powerful, you spoke about this you're trying to pursue depth over growth can you mm-hmm. speak more?
1: Mm. sure, so you know I, I will, we, got to the, we got to the point now where people will, will come to us or approach me and say I want to do X in Nigeria I want to okay. bring this new technology to Nigeria I want to make sure that every girl has an iPad, I want to make sure that these colleges have you." coding or they have constructed all these different programs and earlier I mean I admit earlier in our in our our lifespan I would take those meetings I would have mm-hmm. the conversation I would see well can we find mm-hmm. a way to do that we't have the resources or the time but I guess, let's see if there's money dangling out there and now it's very much this is what we do you know yeah. we do surgical missions and we have these maternal clinics and we have scholarship if you can help us in those areas let's talk. You know, let's if we can help us if you can help us add more girls to the scholarship, let's talk. If you can help us build more clinics or make the clinics that we have function better, let's talk. If we can, you know, do if there's a if you're a surgeon and can bring a surgical team over and are willing to commit the time to come over and help us in a certain way, let's talk. But anything else, I'll say, listen, maybe I can help you identify another partner. Maybe Mm -hmm. I can, you know, keep my eyes open for something. But you know, mission creep is a real thing. And I think a lot of you know, if, if organizations yeah. don't die because of getting, you know, the the constant like going forward is difficult, they die because they spread out laterally. And, and I've just seen so many organizations that I'll talk to someone, oh yeah, we're we're dedicated to helping babies, you know, be delivered safely. And then the next year, I'm like, I just saw an email. You guys are now, you know, building self driving cars or in Nigeria, like oh yeah, yeah, you know, technology and all that. And and it's just it's so for us, it's very much, again, it's because I'm a, I'm just a simple, simple person. I can't get too complicated. So for me, what we're doing is what we're doing. And it's also having the courage to tell someone, I love what you're offering and the money is tempting, but we just, we would not be able to do it well. Hmm. I've had that conversation recently where I told someone, listen, this is great. And uh, you might have a lot of money behind this, but we would not be able to do it well. And it would take away from what we're already doing. And then who knows? if that check that you're offering is going to be there next year or in five years. And so I have to think long-term and um, in the end, I'd rather find people who are passionate about what we're doing than find passionate people and try to bend what we're doing to their um, wins.
0: What you're saying is so powerful. and was linked to my earlier question about, you know, in your quest to want to save the world, how do you choose your causes? And you had a very clear, this was dad's vision and we just came or co-created. How can we bring this to life? And you have very clear idea of the causes you are sticking to. Um, but when you don't have clarity of like values or vision or mission, it can, like you said, you you can get carried away by the people with passion and just keep morphing yourself and morphing yourself and morphing yourself till you don't recognize yourself anymore. Um, so, so this is really really important, um, particularly. Absolutely particularly when it's the altruistic side of us wants to help. You want to help. You do want to get involved in terrorism, education, health. Everything needs addressing in in a country like Nigeria. So sticking to your lane and going deep, there's something Mm -hmm. about that.
1: Well, I think it speaks also to what I talked about in terms of humility. I know that we can't solve all the problems Nigeria has. We can't even begin to solve the problems that we have. And so... A lot of times mission creep comes up arrogant. The idea that, oh yeah, that we can happens. we can do that, we can make that happen, we can fit that in. We can oh. I tell people like, listen, we have we're we're challenged enough doing what we're already doing. It's you know, and people will say, Oh, your scholarship, can you bring it to Uganda or Kenya? I'll say no. Like we are a small organization doing our work and playing our part. Someone else has to step up and provide these scholarships in Kenya or do these surgeries in Uganda or even a different part of Nigeria. You know, if I have more money, I'll do more of what we're doing because I know what we're doing. I've spent a decade and a half building expertise in it and learning and failing. And If I venture into a new zone, I just start failing in new ways all over again and learning all over again. And I never just, would yeah, have thought so
0: about <laughs> it that way. And you're so right. It's, it is. It can be from a place of arrogance and overestimating your ability as opposed to it might be masked in this altruistic, you know. Yes, packaging, very but much so. you're right because it does take a long time to hone your craft, to refine your business model, to get clear on so much. Um, delving into the deep in a brand new space is just, yeah, another runway of six to seven years of failing.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And people tend not to think that. They think, well, the money's there and you guys are good at what you do. Yeah, but we're good at what we do because we've been doing it for years and years and years and been sticking to it and we're still learning every medical mission, something goes wrong that we then learn about. Okay. So this is how we handle not having power in Nigeria. This is how we handle something going breaking or what have you. And all those, those learnings build up. And then now you have the muscle memory. And so if someone comes to me and says, I want you to build a technology center in Nigeria, I'm like, I have no idea how to do that. I don't want to learn. I'm still learning about what we're doing. Um, And so it, it does, and it's tempting because people will, you know, you do you, you have that, your heart does tug and you do want to do as much as you can. But I'd rather, I, I want to do more of what, I'll, I'll get more fulfillment doing more of what we're doing than venturing into a new zone. And if I can get others inspired about doing that work or find, connect, nothing brings me greater joy than connecting people so if I can connect mm-hmm. someone doing great mm-hmm. work in that area mm-hmm. and I see a year later they actually partnered and did something great that's fine that's terrific because I've had so many people come and and give me invaluable introductions and connections when they have no personal benefit from it and so mm-hmm. um but yeah I'm just really excited about what we're doing um and you know and, and you can never have enough girls under scholarship. So that that program can can, can grow sadly, unfortunately. The exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a tragedy of it. Mm. You know, and yeah. there could be a we could build a hundred more clinics and not even begin to scratch the surface. And so we're real we really have so much to do in our own areas and and that would keep again, that keeps me both challenged and inspired every single day.
0: Incredible. So tell us about what does the future hold for Jinker and what's your ask from the community of listeners how would you like sure. their support or,
1: yeah sure so I think for us it's building out several things so it's building out our clinical network so we just in from 2020 through 2001 built five solar-powered clinics in rural areas in Nigeria we realized we could build a massive hospital but we could build a ten twelve thousand dollar clinic that now we have babies who are being safely delivered there. Women are getting health care and getting treatment there. The anemia screenings and treatments are happening. We're training local midwives and TBAs, traditional birth attendants. And so those are, those will become hubs of health activity and these rural often forgotten areas. So love to go from five to 10 to 20 of those in the next few years. And so we're working on that. We're working on doing more training. So if we can't, build a, a clinic, we can help train those at existing clinics to be better and to recognize when a mother is bleeding and needs care, is infected and needs care, when a baby is in breach, or all those different things. So we're doing that. Mm-hmm. And then um, for the medical missions, continuing to do a medical mission a year, we had to stop from doing that because of COVID in 2020, but we got back on it in 2021. Mm-hmm. And here in 2022, we'll do a minimally invasive surgical mission. So our team will will do, they'll put, they, 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 they punch holes through the abdomen, blow it up with gas, put a camera in and operate internally. It's just the most amazing thing and wow. helps with patient outcomes, with recovery times go down. And so you can do gallbladder surgeries, hernia repairs, appendix removals. So our team is going over, but as we do that, we're training more and more local doctors. And so we'll have up to 50 local doctors who will come and observe and actually scrub in and Participate and train. So we're very excited about that. Want to keep doing a medical mission a year, whether it be hip and knee replacements, whether it be laparoscopic, talking to other doctors about whether it's eye care or just how can we keep that going. Potentially do two missions a year if we have the resources at some point. And then for the scholarship, gosh, just grow that exponentially. You know, we went from three girls at one school five years ago to thirty-five girls at five schools. And we hope that now we're going to be 40 girls, at least 40 girls going into the 2022-2023 school year. We want to have 100 girls, 500 girls, 5,000 girls. And so our goal is just raising money to make that happen. And so we're working with our donors and working with David Yellowo and others to really get get that goal met and just bring more girls under scholarship supporting the schools that we work with, um, Brightland Academy, which is Edgy Four School, helping them build a new science lab, helping them become a better school. Uh, uh, they're now known regionally because of some of the support that we've given them as a, as a center of excellence. So really just doing more of that. Um, and now that the world's opened up again, being able to travel more, have a fundraiser. That's how we met at our, our first Austin, mm-hmm. Texas fundraiser. And so already making plans to return there. We have our big hollywood gala september 30th and so we'll be planning for that um and then for me i'm just continuing to to get out there and raise money and i always tell people two ways to help of course are are for, for us our money and marketing so money making direct marketing. donations and supporting mm-hmm. the work they can go to www.jnco.org g-e-a-n-c-o.org learn all about our work and donate there My contact information is on the website. They can there, or we're at LinkedIn and Instagram and all the social medias. Uh, And then marketing, Um, whether it be coming and having a platform to to speak about this work, if they can connect us with, um, whether it be a high profile supporter, whether it be uh, someone with influence, whether it be someone who runs a foundation. So I tell people, you know, you're. I always. I tell everyone's two at least two degrees away from someone who could be a huge support to Jinko. They may not know it. They may say, oh, well, you know, I don't have a lot of money. But if you really think about your network, there's someone you know who knows someone who either has access to a foundation or to a corporation or to an individual who has the capacity to maybe offer, you know, okay, I'll donate whatever. Um, Now, we we do a lot with, with Hollywood. People will donate set visits and premieres and whatnot. And sports, people will donate tickets and meet and greets and corporations will donate products or they'll sponsor events. And so there's, if anyone's interested, I can always sit down with them and kind of get a sense of what their network is like, and then just find ways that they can plug in. Uh, but we're, we're really excited to grow our community and anyone who's listening and wants to help, please get in touch.
0: Incredible, my gosh. Um, I just have one more question. Sure. How do you manage like your philanthropic work remotely? Because you're in LA and a lot of the activities in Nigeria. I just wanted to yes. get some insight into that. That's a great
1: question. And that I am so, we're so blessed. I'm so blessed. So I have a program manager who's my cousin and he's based out of Maryland, but he really spends almost half his time in Maryland in the US and half his time in Nigeria. And we're so complimentary. He's he, he's an engineer by training and he's all about systems. How can I make this system better how can we improve jinko in terms of our structures and our processes and so he's just he, he's leveled jinko up and matured us as an organization beyond what i could even dream you know we i mentioned we have 5 clinics in nigeria and they're in very very rural areas but he insisted that each midwife or each traditional birth attendant who runs the clinic uploads monthly their stats in terms of number of babies delivered number of vaccinations given to the cloud so i can ask them okay in january of 2021 how many babies were delivered in clinic number three and they can get that information so the fact that people may think oh nigeria they can barely turn on a light bulb and they're so you know (laughs) crude and inferior we have we have we have midwives and and women uploading to the cloud and you know using these, these devices and technology and And so we, and then our donors see that and go, wow, you guys actually, I asked for information, you you have it available and you have, you know, you actually have this technology. And so that's been really helpful. And then he has hired an amazing team in Nigeria, most of whom are women of the 11 people we have working for us in Nigeria, seven are women, young women, everything from our accountants to those who run our clinical program, to those who run the scholarship. And so they do all the hard work. You know, I, I get to, Get talk to you. I get to do some of our, our Hollywood stuff. I get to go raise money. I get to go speak around the country. But they're the ones day to day making sure women are delivering safely. That are that our girls are doing well in the scholarship. They're the ones finding the girls in the first place and bringing them in. And I'm so I have, I have an amazing team. And I have very I take very little credit for building the team. I trusted my program manager, and he built out a great team. And so I can be here LA, in LA. And because of the tools that have been set up and just the, just the modern technology with WhatsApp and mm-hmm. Google Chats and mm-hmm. all these different, you know, Zoom and like we, can, we can have meetings and connect. And I do go twice a year to Nigeria to see things. I, I travel to all our different clinics. I go on the medical missions. I go on the I visit our scholarship girls. And so I do want to see things in person so I can report back um, to our donors and our supporters and let them know firsthand what's going on. But it's just amazing. You have know, an amazing team, and that's that's the key: is just finding people who are just much better at things than than I am, and then trusting them to run with it.
0: Incredible, incredible! Um, if anyone wants to learn more about you and Jinko, where can they learn more?
1: Sure. So on the social on on Instagram, we're at JinkoFDN G E A N C O F D N. We're also there on Twitter. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, just my type, type in my name and reach out, A-F-A-M, my mm-hmm. last name on Yemma, O-N-Y-E-M-A. Uh, easiest way is probably our website, uh, again, www.geanco.org, Um And again, my contact information is at the bottom. Um, uh, my email is is a o n y e m a at jinko.org so um, please uh, anyone who's interested in learning more and reaching out just contact me and, and love to find out how we can get you involved in supporting the work that we do
0: incredible sorry one more question what does jinko stand for
1: yeah i should have mentioned at the very beginning so <laughs> it's the it's the first initial in in each of the family members um, names oh, and so okay. godwin um, my brother brother's goes, um, chuku gazie. So on, let me start over. So it's the it's the first initial, so it's um Godwin G is, is the G, Abella is the E, I'm the A, and then we have the double up on the N. So my sister's name was Unche, and then my mom's Nigerian name was Unma, N M A, and so that's the N. And then Chuku Gazie is my brother. Everyone calls him goes. And then Onyema is the is the O. And so When we decided to form Jinko, it was a no-brainer that that would be the the name. And it's not only our family, but it just it it codifies family. Anyone Mm. who gives a dollar, anyone who spends an hour of time volunteering or supporting us, is part of our Jinko family. I, I I take that very seriously. We are a family. We do things as a family, and it's not just me. It's not just my my nuclear family. Uh, anyone I have, we have donors in 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 Hong Kong and their family. You know, we have Oscar winners and their family. We have billionaires and their family, and we have you know Girl Scout troops that raise money for us and their family as well.
0: That's powerful. That's powerful. Thank you, Afam. Um, like this has been so much more than i expected it to be it's been so inspirational but it's been full of practical strategy and tips that people that are exploring their philanthropic journey can really implement and find um make impact with so thank you thank you for your time thank you for sharing your story
1: yeah no thank you Nikkei, for having me it's been a pleasure to speak with you it's been a pleasure to share my jinko journey my jinko story with with your your community and again just an honor thank you for having me
0: wow i'm just so inspired by afam um i loved what he said about how when he was in college um a lot of people were thinking how can i pursue more financial success pursue more um political power or cultural relevance but his framing was how can i serve and it's so countercultural um But just so so powerful and it's that mindset of how can i serve that has honestly led afam to where he is today and he continues to make such positive impact. you know sitting in la and changing and transforming so many lives all the way halfway across the world in nigeria is just absolutely phenomenal i loved what he said about success is tenacity and how he may not be the smartest person the most hardest working person, but he is the most persistent. Imagine that, six years of building something and it not taking off. Most of us will probably just give up and be like, obviously this is not working next. Um, <laughs> but FM's mindset was really one of long-term and one of being tenacious and persistent and looking at the little wins. I loved that, absolutely loved that. And I loved what he said about mission creep. This one is one that I need to really, (laughs) I need to digest um, because it's real as entrepreneurs. Um, And what he said about organizations often die because they spread laterally and then they spread too thin and they're not in their zone of genius. And it's better for us to go deep than to go wide. And it comes from a place, it can come from a place of arrogance. I found that just so powerful. And it's having a humility to know what is your lane, what you're good at, what you can learn and what is for someone else's lane. I found that so powerful. I really, really enjoyed that conversation. I I am um, really really proud of the work that afam is doing with jinko foundation i would encourage you to check out the websites and support with your money with your marketing with your connections and feel free to reach out to afam so yeah thank you so much take good care and god bless you